Hebrews chapter number 11, we're going to be on verse number 6, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 this evening, a verse that we uh, this past week have really been in this chapter quite a bit as we, uh, as we entered into our new theme for this year, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so uh, Brother John walked us really through this whole chapter, chapter 11, during the revival, And uh, believe it or not, I did not know uh, that the next lesson was going to be dealing with this verse as well tonight, but as God would have it, that's what happened. So in Hebrews chapter number 11 is where we're going to be tonight as we continue our series of Discover Your Destiny. Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We've been looking at different tools that we need over the last few weeks, been talking about the different tools that we need when it comes to discovering our destiny. And uh, we we said that uh, we need a pure heart. Uh, We said uh, that we needed uh, a courageous spirit to have uh, courage in moving forward with some of the decisions that we have. Uh, And then we also Uh, talked about the fact that we need a serious mind, a sober mind, and without having a sober mind, then we cannot really make decisions that will lead us into our destiny. And then the fourth tool that we talked about was wisdom, how we need godly wisdom. We talked about what godly wisdom is, and then how it is that we need to ask God for it, and that way, with that wisdom, we can begin to make decisions that lead us into the destiny for which God created us. Well, This evening, we're going to look at our final tool that we need if we're going to uh, reach the destiny for which we were uh, created, all right? A final tool uh, that uh, we need, and that tool is a life of faith. That's why the title of this lesson tonight is Believing is Seeing, because if we're going to reach the destiny for which we were created, we're going to have to have a life of faith. Of faith, but before we jump into this lesson, why don't we ask God to just give us uh, some understanding tonight, and that together we can grow as we learn from His Word. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for Your Word. Thank you for Your truth tonight. As we study what it is to have a life of faith, I pray that first of all you would help us, each and every one of us here this evening, to have our hearts open and our minds to be serious, to be receptive to Your Word tonight. Father, I know that. It could be that there are many here this, this evening that uh, really what all they're lacking is a life of faith. Perhaps, Father, tonight, uh, as we've been going through this series, there's been those that have been making the decision to have a much more serious mind, that have been making the decision of having a heart that is right with you, perhaps even making a decision to ask for your wisdom and to be courageous in making the decisions that you have led them to. But tonight, I pray that if there be anyone here lacking in a life of faith, I pray that we not only would be challenged tonight by the truth of your word, but that, Father, uh, we would be able to grow uh, through uh, the study of your word tonight, that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me tonight, that as I teach this lesson, it would be something that would be an encouragement uh, and a help but also a challenge, because, Father, we want to be challenged by your word. We want to grow uh, through the power of your spirit tonight, and so I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so believing is seen, having a life of faith. I want you to notice, first of all, tonight that God relates to us by faith. God relates to us by faith. Now, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you will ever discover your true destiny, you must realize that it's the very substance, its reality will be found only through faith. If you're really going to live out the destiny for which you were created, if you're going to reach the potential of what you will have as the most happiness in your life, the most joy, the most fulfilled area of your life, then you're going to have to have a life of faith because it will not come any other way. Now, faith is the evidence for things that you cannot see. Now, this goes against every natural inclination that you and I have. In fact, most people would say this. Most people say, show me and I'll believe. We live in a kind of a world that way. Just show me and then I'll believe you. Uh, we, we, we're, we're naturally, we doubt things. Uh, we, we, we know that most people, uh, it's in us to lie, to not tell the truth. And so most of the time we have kind of that kind of mentality, that kind of philosophy. You say, uh, if you're really going to do that, show me and then I'll, I'll, I'll believe you. If you really love me, mom and dad, then you got to buy me this and that way that will show me that you love me. Uh, we're not going to take anything at face value. We want to see it first. And that's how we naturally are. That's what people say. But I want you to notice that the Word of God teaches that God says, believe me, and then I'll show you. It's kind of the opposite of how we think. It's the opposite of how we operate. Uh, typically, if you talk with people that are not believers, that are not Christians, and you tell them uh, that you're going to go to a Christian college, and they say, okay, how much is that going to cost? And you say, well, I'm going to have to probably work, and it's going to probably be around ten dollars to $15,000, and I don't know how much uh, financial aid I can get, and I don't know that, uh, they're, they're, you know, that, that I'm going to be able to pay all of it. I don't know how I'm going to pay all of it, but I just know that God wants me to go. You might find people that are not saved that are going to go, why are you doing that? I mean, you could go to our, uh, UTRGV, you can go to STC, and they'll pay you to actually go to school. You, you'll probably make more. They'll, they probably pay you to go to school for that semester. Why would in the world would you pay to go somewhere when you can just stay home and they'll pay you to go and to study? And they'll scratch their heads and say, that makes no sense. And really, for the unsaved person, uh, this, this idea of faith, of believing God before you really have all of the evidence to be able to just show somebody is a little bit mind-boggling. And yet, that's the kind of life that God wants you and I to live. You see, God has given us his Holy Spirit, and by faith, he wants to lead us. He wants to be our guide. You know, the Bible's filled with stories of faith, God's response uh, to faith. If you think about it, think about Noah in Genesis chapter 6. Uh, God has called Noah and said, I want you to build an ark. Build an ark on an earth that's never had rain before. Not only is it going to have rain, it's going to have rain enough that it's going to cover the entire earth. Now, for most of us in our life, we might have said, well, God, why don't you make it rain one day so I know what, like, kind of what it's going to be like. 
Sometimes we, we have this mentality of, well, well God, if, if this is really what you're calling me to do, then you've got to do something to show me that this is what it is. And many times God won't do that. Many times God won't even show you. He'll just tell you. And he'll say, you need to believe me. And that's what faith is all about. Uh, Noah, I'm sure as he was building the ark, the Bible said they mocked him. They laughed at him. They said, what are you doing? He said, well, there's going to be a rain. There's going to be a flood. God's bringing a flood to this earth. He's going to destroy this earth. And everyone laughed him to scorn. And the reason they laughed at him is because they had never seen rain in their life. They said, that, that's impossible, Noah. Nothing like that has ever happened. It's never going to happen. I mean, I remember my great-great-great-grandfather, and nothing like that ever happened in his lifetime. And by the way, people at this point, okay, were living. The Bible says that Noah was probably uh, around 500 years old when he started to build the ark. So you're talking about people that have been on earth, that have experienced life. These aren't people that have just been here for 30 years, like, oh, he's just young and he doesn't know. No, no, these are people that have been on earth for a long time, and they're laughing at him. I would imagine if I was Noah, I'd be a little bit skeptical myself. I'd have to be honest with you tonight. I think if God were asking me to do something, I'd be, uh, I don't, okay. A boat? How big? How many people? I don't know. I, 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 I would imagine myself thinking, I don't know if I can do this. Yet God is telling Noah, I want you to have faith. I want you to believe me. You see, faith doesn't work by sight. There you know, faith doesn't work by sight. You can think about not only Noah, but you can think about, um, you can think about Abraham. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, the, the son that God said, he's going to be the one I promised you. He's going to be the father of many nations. He's going to be, he, your descendants, Abraham, is going to be like the stars of heaven. And then a little bit after that, I don't know if it was uh, probably about, I don't know, 10 years later, right? Isaac is born. Now he's about 10 or 15 years old, and God is saying, I want you to sacrifice him. Now, it's weird because when, when this happens to us with our parents, don't you say, um, Mom, Dad, you're being inconsistent. You're not being fair. How come before it was this and this? If you have siblings like me, I had older brothers, you know, and you say, Dad, how come you let Jim go and do that or you let John go and do that? You don't let me do it. Right? We, we see some inconsistencies and we want to point it out. And I imagine for Abraham, he was probably thinking, okay, but first, God, you said that he was going to be the one that was going to, you know, I'm going to have sons like the stars. And now the only one I have, you want to take him. That sounds a little inconsistent. That sounds like you're coming back, going back on what you promised me. And if you think about it, sometimes it can feel that way. Sometimes God asks you to do something and you feel like, that doesn't sound right. Why would God ask me to do that? And yet, a life of faith understands that it doesn't work by sight. I can imagine Joshua as he's going to fight this battle and God's saying, okay, I want you to walk around the city. I'm sure he was going, huh? <laughs> um, God, let me just, I mean, I know you created me and stuff, but I've been in war before. And Joshua was a great warrior before Jericho. Joshua had been a captain of the armies of Israel for quite a few years now. And he's going, God, that's not how you fight wars. I'm telling you right now, that's not how you fight them. 
I mean, I think the best thing to do, God, would probably just go attack the walls, maybe dig under the walls. I don't know, something. I don't think just walking around walls is going to do much. And yet God said, that's what I want you to do. You see, faith, first of all, doesn't work by sight, but also faith doesn't work by sense. In other words, everything that God asks you and me to do doesn't always have to make sense to us. Now, we'd like it to. That would be convenient, right? But that's not the way God works. Uh, it doesn't always make sense to take a stand for God at school or at work. It doesn't always make sense sometimes to do what God is calling you to do. Sometimes you almost feel like, um, you know, if I'm at the park and I'm inviting people, man, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, who's really going to come to our church just because I gave them something? I carry out around tracks in, in my New Testament, and usually when I go out to eat, I'll try to leave that with the, with the tip. And, and, uh, and I often wonder... Do people even read this stuff? I'm just being honest with you. I, I mean, that happens to me. Sometimes I feel like I don't even know if this is the best way to get the message out. And sometimes just leaving a track seems like it doesn't make a lot of sense. But you know, faith does it that way. I remember uh, hearing a story. I think Brother Let shared it one time. Uh, when I was listening to, to one of his messages, and he was saying that uh, he knew a man that, that worked uh, in, in Ford in, in the manufacturing's up in, in Michigan, and uh, in one of those factories, he, he went to use a restroom, and he just felt as he was using the restroom that God said, I want you to leave a track here in that restroom. And he said, that doesn't even make sense. But he said, I, that's just what the Holy Spirit was putting on his heart. So he got a track out from his pocket that he had, and he left it there in the restroom. And he said he went on and kept working and never heard from it. A few years later, he said that uh, they were in a church and, and uh, there was this man that was speaking at the church, sharing his testimony. And in the testimony, the man said, you know, I was working at a factory up here, he said, for Ford, and, and I went to the restroom and as I was going to the restroom, I found this little pamphlet that was there, this little track thing, and I, and I picked it up. I didn't know what it was and I started reading it and I understood it. And I got saved. And the man said, oh my goodness, he was in the audience. And he said, I'm the one that left it. And after the service, he went to meet him. He said, I'm the one that left it there. And, and uh, they got to kind of rejoice with each other about that. And he said, after I read that, he said, and I got saved, I started leaving them every day there in the restroom. Now you say, that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't make sense. And yet that's what God had called them to do. You see, faith doesn't work by sight. Faith doesn't work by sense. And yet, it's the only way that we can please God. It's the way that, it's the way that God said, this is how we're going to relate to one another. In fact, uh, in, in Psalm 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, he said, that trusteth in him. And then in verse 22, he says, The Lord redeemeth the souls of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. In other words, God says, I'll never abandon you if you can just believe me. If you can just live a life of faith, you'll find that you'll never be alone. And sometimes things won't make sense, and sometimes you're going to have to believe before you see it, but I'm telling you, it's the best life you're going to have. And can I tell you tonight, just like the psalmist could say that and lived it in his life, you and me can do the same thing. Even as a 13-year-old boy, even as a 15-year-old girl, you can have faith in your life and see that God will never leave you nor forsake you. 
you can taste and see the goodness of God because it's by faith that God has a relationship with us. But I want you to notice, secondly, this question. And I think it's a great question. I think it's in your notes. Why did God choose faith? Have you ever thought about that? Like, everybody in here would probably agree, seeing and then believing is a lot easier, right? Seeing, then believing, is just easier. So why didn't God go that way? Is it that God couldn't relate to us apart from faith? Could God not have worked with us and said, I'm going to show you, and then you'll believe? Like, for instance... The angels. The angels have never lived by faith. They don't need to live by faith. God created the angels and they knew his power and they knew who he was and they've seen heaven and they've been in heaven and they, they saw uh, much of what God created and there's nothing there for them to have faith about. They know God exists. The devil does not wonder, I wonder if God really exists. The devil knows God exists. He rebelled against him openly, knowing what he was doing. But with us as humans, we've never seen it. We've never seen God. Most human beings, other than those that we know of in the Bible, most of us have never seen an angel before. We haven't seen a lot of things. And the way God works with us isn't by showing us and then us believing. He goes by faith. Why? Why does God do that? Why does God want to base our relationship with him on faith. Well, I'll tell you why. See, the answer goes back to his eternal purpose. It goes back to his eternal purpose. See, outside of the boundary of time, God has an eternal purpose that works all things together for good under the lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, before God created you, he already knew what you were going to be destined to do, and he created you with that in mind. God gave you skills and talents that only you have for things that only you can do to meet people that only you will be able to meet that I'll never be able to meet and, you, and, and to do things that I'll never be able to do but you'll be able to do. God had an internal purpose. The Bible says in Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 1, he said that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in, all, uh, in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him in whom also we have attained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In other words, you are an intricate part of this timeless plan to gather together all things in Christ. This great purpose, which is to bring praise and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order for us to do that, to bring the greatest glory to him, it's going to require faith. I, I believe that's why angels, the Bible says we're going to judge angels. Now, of course, we're not going to judge the good angels. We'll be judging the fallen angels. But the reason that we're going to be able to judge angels is because angels seeing what God is and who God is rejected him. And us who have not seen him, but believe by faith in him, can judge their lack of faith, can judge their unbelief, 
You see how much glory God gets from that? God's going to be able to tell those demons, those fallen angels. He's going to be able to say, there is a countless multitude of people that never saw me, and yet they believed in me, that glorified me, that praised me, that worshiped me. That was an eternal plan, that before we were even created on earth, God had that plan. It's amazing. So God says, what's the best way to get that glory and praise? It's by faith. And that's why we need to have a life of faith. You see, God purposefully designed to hide himself and to relate to us by faith. Now, I want you to notice this in your notes. God gives us intelligent faith, not blind faith. Now, this is important. God gives us intelligent faith. It's not a faith that you see nothing for. It's just a faith that it's based on, number one, listen, the intelligent side of it is that you can say, God has always fulfilled his promises. God has never lied. Never. And the existence of God which is outside of time, in eternity past and in eternity future, God will never lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So when I believe by faith what the word of God says, I'm believing someone that has a track record of never lying. That's intelligent, right? If, if you were to meet somebody new and they were to be able to tell you, hey, this guy will give you a million dollars when you turn 18, and you've known of other people that have received a million dollars who he promised to give to, it's a lot easier for you to say, yeah, he's probably going to give it to me. How do you know he's going to give you a million dollars? Well, he gave Fred a million dollars when he turned 18, and he told him, I'm going to give you a million dollars when I turn 18. And he gave it to him. And he gave Lucy some. And he gave Maria some. And now he's telling me he's going to give me the same thing. Now, nobody's going to look at you and go, oh, you're crazy. How could you believe him? Everybody would go, oh, my goodness. So everybody he's told that he's going to give a million dollars to, he gives them a million dollars? Yep. And now he told you? Yep. Now that's crazy. You're not, you can't believe that. No, they would say, yeah, okay. If he promised them and he supplied for them, and now he's promising you, it's probably a good thing to believe him because he's probably going to give you that money. He has a record of following through. Our faith in God isn't one from a God that's up and down from a God that's ever lied, from a God that's ever abandoned those that have followed him. In fact, we follow a God who has rewarded those that have had a life of faith. Look at, at, at Hebrews chapter 11 once again. Verse number six, but without faith, it's impossible to please him because that's how we relate to God. He says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is that he is what? That he is God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's not a blind faith. That's why if you read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says, look at Noah, and look at Abel, and look at Abraham, and look at Joseph, and look at Moses. All these people that by faith received what God promised them. He says, it's not crazy for you to say, Am I going to live a, a life of faith and will God come through for me? Yes, he'll come through for you. It's not blind faith. You know what blind faith is? Blind faith is the person that believes, well, I think we come from nothing. I think there was an explosion. What caused the explosion? I don't know. 
But there was an explosion. And then, and then all these you know, rocks came out of it. And then after some time, rain started running on the rocks. And then after time, some time, an organism came out of it. That's blind faith because there's nothing, nothing that makes sense about that. That's blind faith. You believe that based on what? Based on nothing. But see, our faith is not like that. God says, I want to relate to you by faith. One, because it's going to bring me the most glory. But secondly, it's an intelligent faith, guys. It's not something that's impossible or out there or just blindly to do. Now, next week, we're going to continue this. We're going to answer the question of what is faith. But there in your notes, I think there's one more. God proves our faith after it is expressed. Is that right? God proves our faith after it is expressed. And then I want you to notice our faith fulfills our faith fulfills God's eternal purpose. It's so important for us to understand these truths. Young people tonight. God relates to us by faith. Why did he do that? Because of his eternal purpose. Because he wants you and I to know that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I just want to encourage you, as you make the decisions in your life, and there's more and more decisions every day, decisions at school and decisions at home and decisions in your personal life, as you make decisions, make them with a life of faith and saying, what does God say about this? And can I believe him? One of the things that I, I find is really difficult in the teenage years is that you're getting into an age where uh, relationships are, are more important, right? Um, if you talk to Elijah, I think on like the third week of school, one of his uh, teachers talked to him about Elizabeth and, or, or Emily. She's, she's in his class. And he came home and he says, Dad, it's because I love Emily, I gave him a high five. I was like, yeah, buddy, all right. Who in the world is Emily, <laughs> you know? And then I went and dropped him off at school. And when I went to pick him up that day, Emily was absent. And I said, where's Emily? And he said, I, I don't, I just love Ruby, Dad. I was like, oh, <laughs> man, this guy moved on quick. But you know, when Elijah tells me that, he's five years old, he doesn't have a clue what love is. No clue, right? He's just kind of like making friends, and that's, that's just what he's doing. But you know, you, you get to about 14, 15, and 16, and we know what the Lord love means. And suddenly when you say, oh, I love so-and-so, it's different. You're not saying it the way Elijah's saying it. You're saying it in a much more meaningful way. You're saying it in a, in a different way. And, and I have found this. I have found that during that time of life and the time that you're in and, and, and this dating thing and you're, you're wondering, you know, um, is this someone I like, someone I want to go out with? And sometimes there are things that in those relationships we know are not right. And we've got to act, exercise faith in those times. Should I do this with them? Should I do this with her? And sometimes you wonder, if I do that, though, they might break up with me. If I do that, this relationship could crumble. 
And that's where faith comes in. And you say, well, what did God say about this relationship? And if I do that, will God still bring out the right person? Will God keep me with this person? You know, I've seen it all, all different ways in, in 35 years. Mr. John and Ms. Melandy, I believe they met in eighth grade. They dated for some time in high school. Ended up getting married. I also dated in high school. I don't even know where those girlfriends are at. I, I met one far better, far more beautiful, far way beyond my dreams, and a California girl. Like the Beach Boys song. I wish they all could be California girls. Anybody heard that song? No. I, listen, I had to exercise some faith in those times. And God came through in a major way. You know, uh, some of our sponsors, Mel and Mel, they didn't know, each, they, they kind of knew each other in high school, but not really. But later in college, God brought them together. And I think if they would have just not exercised faith, well, I'm not, I'm not breaking up with anybody. I, listen, God, this is the person I've chosen because it's because, it's because, it's because, it's because God, it's because dad, it's because I just love them. Kind of like Elijah. And I got to say, okay, buddy, but that's, that's not the one for you. Emily's probably a really good girl, but she's not the one you're get, that you're going to marry. I'm fairly certain of that. You're in kindergarten. <laughs> Sometimes, a life of faith, God has to tell us that in high school. Or he might say, just let's tap on the brakes a little bit. I don't know that that's the one right now. And if it's the one, maybe it's not the right time. You see, all that requires faith. Sometimes I remember wishing, God, why can't you just show me who I'm going to marry? That way it'll make this a lot easier. I'll know who I need to go ask out. It'll be just so much easier, but God doesn't work that way. God doesn't show you who you're going to marry. And God says, I want you to have faith. And believing me, then I'll show you. Totally opposite from the way I work, the way we think. But let me just tell you, God's way is always better. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. I hope you'll be back. We'll answer the question, what is faith? And then how do we apply that faith and live out that life of faith?